Welcome to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, grow their authority, and help them build partnerships with top influencers. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I am Jen Amos, your host, and I'm really excited because every time I get to do the show, it means I get to interview interview another incredible business owner out there in the world. And today I have with me Lee Lefevre. Lee Lefevre is the co-founder of Common Craft. He is also the author of The Art of Explanation and Big Enough. You can learn more about his business at commoncraft.com or his books at leelefevre.com. That's Lee LaFever. And his website is spelled L-E-E-L-E-F-E-V-E-R.com. Lee, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jen. Yeah, it's my absolute pleasure having you. I know in Washington right now, it's a little gloomy, but I hope that in this conversation, we'll brighten up the mood. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're used to it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I can only imagine. I, you know, I lived in California for 20 years uh, in SoCal, so I'm very used to like consistent weather. But in moving out to the East Coast, I now experience all four seasons and my heart just goes out to every place that has to go through that. But honestly, I think once you get used to it, it's not so bad. (laughs) And so it it seems like you all are doing just fine over there in Washington. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. I grew up in North Carolina, so I know what it's like. And I really miss the thunderstorms from the East Coast. That's something we don't have here. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, we've definitely been experiencing that a lot. My husband loves that because he he's formerly from um, Ohio. And when I first experienced thunderstorms, it really scared me. But now it's like, yeah, I guess it's pleasant to hear. It's not so bad. I can get it's not like earthquakes. You know, it's fine. I'll get used to it. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, uh, Lee, for people that are getting to know you for the first time, why don't you just share a little bit about what Common Craft is and uh, the type of people that you enjoy helping? Sure. Um, so Common Craft is a company that I founded in 2003 as, consult- as a consulting company. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2007, we started making uh, videos as YouTube and social media were getting popularity. Mm-hmm. And our goal was to explain um, things like wikis and blogs and social networking in a way that everyday people could understand. Mm-hmm. And we just thought it would be a fun way to maybe help our consulting practice. Um, but it ended up uh, changing our lives. Uh, mm. the, those first videos went went viral, or what I say is the 2007 version of viral. <laughs> and uh, we suddenly became known as the people who sort of pioneered the idea of explainer videos in the YouTube era, mm-hmm. and f- suddenly found ourselves really, um, you know, just underwater with demand. Like we had, we had a lot of people coming to us wanting to hire us. Uh, we were also creating videos that we owned ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and people started asking for digital downloads and um, licensing the videos. Um, so in 2008, a year after we published the videos, we uh, started to think about like, where is this going? What do we want? What, what kind of business should Common Craft be? Mm. And that was when things really changed for us because we were a married couple working from home. Mm-hmm. And uh, we saw that if we, if we didn't make these decisions with care, 
um, that the business opportunities could actually end up being a bad thing for us in our relationship. Like the business mm. could, could ruin our relationship. And that was one of the things that we thought was really important. So um, we decided to remain a small business and use our size and the, the, and not having employees as a constraint mm. that helped us understand what business opportunities we could pursue. Mm. And, and that's what we've done since 2008. And now here we are 12 years later, and we've, we've lived that for 12 years and learned a lot about what it means to run a business that we say is big enough. Mm-hmm. So tell me, uh, you've been working with your partner since 2008. What is the key to staying sane to working together. Cause I, I personally been working <laughs> with my husband for about four years now. And we, I feel like we're yeah. finally at a place where we're in sync where it's like, Oh, I get it. Like you weren't trying to hurt my feelings. You were trying to, you know, like what, oh. what is the key to a successful partnership, especially if you're working with your partner? Yeah, that is a really good question. Um, it's, it's not easy. I think Sachi and I are lucky that we get along quite well. We don't really fight the way other couples do. Mm-hmm. Um, but we definitely disagree. We're very different people and have different perspectives. And I think mm-hmm. that we've both learned to pick our battles mm-hmm. and to try to uh, take everything at face value and not read into any situations where one person might be being critical and you think they're trying to hurt your feelings or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we call, we call Sachi, my wife who, you know, we are absolutely like same level partners in the business. Mm. Um, you know, she does, she's is as much of the part of the business as I am. Uh, but we call her the chief party pooper because uh, I'm, I'm the kind of idea person and I'm thinking about the next thing. And she's always the one trying to keep my feet on the ground and it bursts my bubble and it, it kind of hurts my feelings sometimes. And we have to get through that. But uh, she she's more level-headed than I am. So I, awesome. I'm learning from her about how to be level-headed. Uh, I think Sachi and I would get along because I'm very much <laughs> like that in my partnership with my husband. Um, he is very mm-hmm. much the idea guy. He's always very forward-thinking. And I'm usually... Uh, yeah, I'm usually the negative Nancy or the party pooper, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, the the devil's <laughs> advocate, you know. And uh, yeah. I think that um, you know, obviously, it it it, it would um, we would have a bunch of rough patches because of that. But you know, I think with a lot of help and and counseling, I like to joke about it. It usually helps us, you know, get back to the same page. So I just want to commend mm-hmm. you and Sachi for um, having worked together since 2008 and just making it work because. I think sometimes when you go in business with your spouse, it could almost make you or break. It could also make or break the relationship sometimes. And it sounds like that you two have really figured it out. Yeah, I, I think, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think so. I think it was Sachi that really pushed the idea that we could be, we could have a successful business that didn't have to have the normal trappings of a su- successful business. And for her, that meant things like managing employees. I think mm-hmm. for a lot of, a lot of companies, employees are essential and you really have to have a headcount to, to keep up. But um, we, we, ch- we took that as a challenge because our, our product is essentially a digital media. So we mm. can, you know, make a video once and sell it multiple times. And discovering that early on um, as a way that our business could scale without having to have employees or staff or an office mm-hmm. was really a re- re- revelation for us. And we saw, thought, wow, we could actually do this. We could remain a two-person home-based business and still have a business that scales. Mm-hmm. And um, that's really what Big Enough is about, is, is the potential for um, really small businesses to be able to scale in the way that a startup can by using the internet, um, you know, the internet's ability for distribution and, and things like that. Yeah. Well, Ali, let's talk a little bit about 
today and the new normal. And I imagine mm-hmm. that, I mean, for myself, I haven't used as much video until you know, 2020, when Zoom has become the norm and everything. So tell me, has uh, these times and these pandemic times impacted your business in a positive or a negative way? Um, I would say overall, it's been it's been positive. Um, mm-hmm. It's balanced, though, because mm-hmm. I, I do think there is more emphasis on, um, you know, our customers are often educators. So they're using our videos in classrooms mm. and online to teach people about technology from a a perspective that's all about understanding and not the tutorial kind of things. Um, so there's a, there is there are more teachers doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but we're a, we're a paid service, so at the same time, teachers are often not very well funded. So mm. um, the pandemic has also uh, messed with a lot of budgets too. So it's a, it's a balanced thing. But but overall, I think it's a brought a more, brought more attention to companies like ours that mm-hmm. are making media that, that can be used very easily online. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a like especially nowadays it seems like there would be a, a very popular demand, but at the same time I understand that um you know, it, it's a huge adjustment for a lot of educators uh today because I think that when it comes to education, it's very experiential and um in in many cases depending on the demographic like if you're teaching kids or uh, like young kids or the youth or whatever. And so it is interesting to make that uh, adjustment I think for just everyone mm-hmm. to go ver- Yep. Yeah. So Lee, tell me a little bit more about um, the explainer videos. What do you, I know you mentioned uh, a little bit at the beginning, like how it just exploded um, early on in um, before, uh, how would you call that time? Like the early, the the late 200s, I think is what, what we'll call it. Yeah. Um, So let's (laughs) pre YouTube maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Pre YouTube. And so uh, talk about, um, you know, what do you feel like is the bit, what was the biggest uh, reason that it blew up and what can other people, uh, especially educators looking to, let's say, adapt explainer videos to their business or their teaching um, mm-hmm. can benefit from that? Yeah. Um, you know, I was really uh, passionate about social media in the early days. I was an online community manager starting mm-hmm. in 1999 and, and really got into online communities and social media. And my biggest thing was I was passionate about it and I wanted people to adopt it. I wanted them to use it. Mm-hmm. Now I wish a few a few people didn't adopt it. But um, <laughs> at the time, I really wanted people to help people understand it. And that was really the goal was to create media that was not just another technologist using a bunch of terms that people don't understand, but to actually mm-hmm. change someone's perspective about the role of these things. Mm-hmm. And um, I think our timing was just really good because everybody was wondering, what is Twitter? Like, what is a blog? What is social networking? And there weren't a lot of great explanations out there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really what happened was we uh, happened to, to have timing where it hit just as YouTube was taken off. So we were in the early stages of YouTube where people were looking for these videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, there was a lot of confusion. And, and what I always say to people who are thinking about business is that, you know, having, it's one thing to have a business idea and there's a lot, there's lots of business ideas out there, but if you're serious about something that's sustainable that you're going to do for years and years, then it has to be something that you're actually passionate about and that you mm. actually enjoy. And uh, I love making media. I love 
teaching and explaining things. And, mm-hmm. and that really got translated into our business. And, and I, you know, we've done it for 12 years now, and I think we'll do it for another 12. And I think I could be happy doing that. So I think passion and what are the things that you find yourself talking about all the time and getting yeah. excited about? Those are, those are things that, that maybe there might be something there for you in terms of a business. Yeah, I think that's great. Uh, I, I, I did want to ask you, you know, for some people that are just wandering or trying, you know, different projects, it's like, how do you know, or how do you think you knew that you found your passion in video? <laughs> uh, when those videos went viral, that was a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay, um, <laughs> when I like it, yeah, other that, people like it. <laughs> yeah, when other people, when, when I saw that other people liked it, that was, <laughs> that was a good indication. Um, but, you know, it, Initially, the problem for us was that in the early days, YouTube didn't have an advertising model that would mm. allow someone lo- allow us to make make money. Mm-hmm. Um, so we uh, were like, "Wow, well, this is great. We have a lot of attention, but we can't, you know, pay the pay the rent with this." Mm. Um, so then we got a, we started getting hired by companies. Our second client ever was Google, and if you look wow. up uh, Google Docs in plain English on uh, YouTube, you'll see a video with over five million views. That was the second custom video we'd ever done, and one of the first commercial explainer videos. Wow! Um, and I, I still like that video. That's um, awesome. But I'm we, gonna have we, to we Google stopped. that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You should. We've we've worked with yeah. Drop uh, a video we made with Dropbox was on their front page for three years and got over mm. 30 million views. And um, there's there's lots of those examples. But what's kind of interesting about our story, I think, is we actually made a decision to stop doing that custom work. Mm. Like we we turned away from doing that model because it doesn't scale mm-hmm. uh, to make more of those videos and to grow the company. We'd have to hire people, and we said we're not hiring people. So mm. we we pivoted to a licensing model and digital downloads. Um, and, and honestly, you know, left a lot of money on the table at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we could see that, that that money might be short term. It might not reflect what we really want to do and, and mm-hmm. we feel like we're good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the lesson of big enough is, is maybe sometimes money is not the only factor in your decision making about your business, that there are other things to consider like sustainability, like can you do this for a long time and does it mm-hmm. reflect your values? Mm-hmm. We've, we found that what we one of the things we really valued was having control of our time. And in services, that's much harder. But if you can figure out a way to uh, have a product that you're selling that you can make once and sell multiple times, then that gives you uh, more more control of your time. And, mm-hmm. and control of your time is really what leads to things like freedom and independence that uh, not, maybe not the patriotic sense of it, but the freedom and independence that entrepreneurs want in their lives comes from getting control of your time. And that's one of the big messages in Big Enough. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds to me that, you know, I think a lot of service-based businesses take a lot of pride in customization and really tailoring their services to their clientele. But just like what you said, Lee, if you're looking for sustainability, if you're looking for freedom, if you're looking for leverage, um, it's, uh, it's, it's important to create something like a software system or a program that you created where maybe initially, you know, you may not make a lot of money up front or it's not that instant gratification of a big paycheck, but in the long run, mm-hmm. um, it could really be that sustainable income that is reoccurring. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I I kind of go into that uh, quite a bit in the book about how, um, you know, going product doing going into the product direction requires a whole different set of skills mm-hmm. um, than than with services that um, if you're someone who is, is who's you know making a, a product, then 
you have to be passionate about the product, but you have to also understand things like uh, manufacturing and distribution and marketing and a lot of the things that takes it takes to get a product into the world. And oftentimes that stuff happens before it ever actually gets into the world. And that's mm. why it takes time, time and a lot of investment sometimes to get it going. But once it's going, it can, it can be um, a great model. Mm-hmm. I like how uh, throughout our conversation, you uh, kept hinting at your book big enough. And so tell me, who, mm-hmm. uh, who did you specifically write this book for? And I think this is great for our audience to know in case they are interested in reading it as well. Sure. Thanks for asking. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, big enough, I think, is for people who are thinking about what's next for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it is for people who have worked in maybe a corporate environment, maybe have been an entrepreneur before and seen that, um, you know, that the entrepreneurial idea can take a lot of different forms and that we are all kind of led to believe, and, and it's from, you know, just living in a capitalist society, really, that the reasons business exists is to maximize shareholder value, mm-hmm. you know, and to, to get big and get rich and have, be as big as possible. And I think that is valid. I love that people do that. I want my message is that, that there's actually a choice that you can mm-hmm. actually choose to uh, create and design a company around different things. And I think that a shareholder value that is important and healthy is the value of quality of life. That if you can figure out how to design a business that promotes a healthy quality of life, mm-hmm. then um, that's something that's sustainable and something that you can get gr- huge value from that doesn't, you know, count on the bottom line necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like, I even like the title of Big Enough because I think about, uh, even with my husband and I, we always think about, can we scale now? Can we bring on more people? And we've, we've actually done that and it didn't work out. <laughs> and in fact, it was really awful, like how it turned out. And, you know, here we are again, back at a, a husband-wife um, business. And not to say that we may not scale to that level again, but um, sometimes it's okay. You don't have to scale in that way. And, you know, just like you and Sachi, you can easily make it a two-person business. It's just knowing that, I think the privilege of what we have as entrepreneurs, um, especially in America, in my opinion, is that you can design your business your way and not feel like you have to do what, quote unquote, every other entrepreneur aspires to do, which is get really big and really popular. And, um, you know, it's just, it's not for everyone and that's okay. It's it's really, it's your business, it's your choice. And it goes back to uh, your passion and if, if it aligns with that and ultimately your sanity, <laughs> you know, like this is something you actually, yeah. <laughs> not just doing it for the money, you know? <laughs> Sanity is important, I believe, (laughs) (laughs) for sure. Yeah, I think that there, you know, um, there is, you know, in the, when a company starts to grow and there's, there's thoughts of employees, again, a lot of companies that that's just how, how it works. But Mm -hmm. I think, um, for us, we thought a lot about overhead and, mm. and not just overhead in expenses and fixed costs, but emotional and sort of like intellectual overhead of, yeah. of constantly having to be worried about someone else's problems, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. Um, and that was part of the beauty of us living, um, you know, of, of trying to make the company big enough was, mm-hmm. was really trying to focus on just being um, us and our problems, Absolutely. I guess. And, and for that, we, we traded the, we, yeah, we traded the potential to grow, um, you know, an, an agency, a creative agency. We were, mm-hmm. could have, we were receiving, you know, five or 10, five to 10 emails a day for a while for mm-hmm. custom videos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, um, you know, having, cho- having made the decision not to go in that direction, we said no a lot. And I, I mm-hmm. think that, 
that idea of, of being able to say no, both in your professional life and your personal life is hard. Like nobody wants to disappoint other people, Absolutely. but it's essential to, uh, to getting control of your life and getting control of your time. And that's one of the things that I really believe is people should feel more comfortable saying no and also mm-hmm. hearing no. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's like, you can, it's okay to deal with like one other person's issues, but to kind of be that professional adult babysitter, <laughs> I feel like have employees, <laughs> um, you know, some people like that, but you know, again, I think, you know, your story with Sachi is very inspiring for creatives who um, are married and want to be in business together. And I think it's very, re- I'm sure this is very reassuring for them to know that it can be possible to, you know, run a business with your spouse and not have to have as much overhead. And I really like how you said that overhead is not just financial. It could be emotional. It can be, you know, your own well-being. Um, I don't think a lot mm-hmm. of people take that into consideration. Um, so I really appreciate mm-hmm. you bringing that. that. That had even kind of opened up, you know, perked my ears a little bit of like, yeah, I have to consider my uh, sanity as part of the overhead. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, definitely. You know, one of the things you mentioned the pandemic and how things had changed um, in relationship to the book. I think that that being in quarantine for a lot of people being at home, working from home has changed people's perspective about the degree to which they want to go back to an office situation, right. um, not just because of health, but because they have found that they can work from home and they're okay being around their families mm-hmm. and that there are a lot of people are, and I hear this all the time, like, yeah, I, in the last six months, I'm suddenly questioning what I really want, like mm-hmm. what my work what my work is doing for me and what I want to get out of my work and what I'm okay with doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm a big believer that for entrepreneurs, especially with small businesses, that your personal spending matters a mm-hmm. lot because mm-hmm. if you're, uh, if you can, if you can adopt a lifestyle that doesn't need a lot of money, then it doesn't take a lot of money for your business to be successful. Right. And I think that getting your financial house in order is a big part of, 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 of having a successful business um, on the personal side. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lee, thank you so much for being here. I feel like you have shared so much knowledge and wisdom and inspiration today. Is there there any other final piece of wisdom that you would like to share with our fellow business owners and uh, business owners and small business, wait, entrepreneurs and small business owners that are listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur? Sure, sure. One of the things that I think about a lot is uh, values. Mm-hmm. And um, I think for a long time in my life, I outsourced my values to other people or what was in the news or what I was seeing in magazines. I wanted to be on the cover of Fast Company. Mm-hmm. And over time, I realized that those are other people's values and I have my own values and those values should be my guide and what gives me satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And I think that can translate to a business. If you can really understand what you value, everybody wants money matters. I would like to have more money. There's nothing wrong with that, mm-hmm. but there's other values that matter too, like family and time and location and independence that can be a part of your business, but you just have to understand that you might have to trade things for it, uh, but it is possible. And that's really my message. Fantastic. Well, Lee Lefevre, thank you so much for being here. It's been awesome, Jen. Thank you. Yes. And uh, again, this is Lee Lefevre, co-founder of Common Craft and also the author of Art of Explanation and Big Enough. We actually didn't really touch upon the Art of Explanation, but real quickly, do you just want to mention what that book is about, Lee? Sure. Um, It's really a book about uh, learning to communicate with clarity and understanding in any situation, but it's mainly for business people to make sure that their audience uh, learns to care about what they have to say because they understand it. 
Perfect. Perfect. And you can learn more about Lee and his company and his books either at his website, commoncraft.com or leelafever.com. Thank you all so much for joining us. And we look forward to chatting with you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.